Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you doing? Uh, doing good, Shad. Yeah? Doing well. I'm glad to hear it. I want to say thank you, everybody out there, for joining us for this episode. Get our shout-outs taken care of right here at the beginning. As always, first one is going to go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast, that's number four, capital C and Corners, capital P and Podcast, save 10% off your order. Uh, folks in East Kentucky could still use your help in the recovery. If you feel so inclined to help them out, I'm going to say go through Apple Shop, A-P-P-A-L-S-H-O-P dot O-R-G. That'll make sure that the donations get to where they need to get to. And then our other shout out goes over to Matt uh, that would be to Orlando Cologne. Uh, Orlando Cologne, uh, they really should put like a title on him. Like, mm-hmm. the, uh, well, they, I think they put, you know, they put like the Puerto Rican stuff on him. But how about the uh, the old NWA title? Like, what's the hell is like <laughs> the Corbin doing on that? It's a recurring joke I I do, but let me come on. They even uh, have Tyrus should... in the fucking Crockett Cup. Yeah, I, honestly, you could you could. You could rehire him to the WWE and have him actually put a, put a belt on him and then have him defend it because Lord knows Roman won't. Yeah, uh, that's the other good so, thing. Yeah. Our fighting champion, Orlando Colon. Hey, we're taking yeah. this a week early. That could be tag team champion Roman by the no, time. They should. They should do that. You know why? Because every title, every title on him. Just, just do it. Dry just things. Just all of them. Steer things. Every one of them. Steer, yeah, steer things as much into the ditch as possible. They're, the rumor going around is like, oh, we may add a, a third hour of SmackDown. Do it. Do yeah. it. Yeah, go it for it. Be, it would be dramatically stupid, uh, and that's exactly what I want to I want to see happen. They'd be just it's funny as hell. They will to burn see this, their, another hour. I don't want. They will burn their audience so hard if they add another hour to SmackDown. Like adding yeah. a third hour to Raw is like the most detrimental thing they've ever done. Yeah. Can I ask but a question? Ever, I love it. What is what? What do people see in Solo Sakota? He's attached to that dominant champion. But but I mean like, am I just crazy? Like whenever I see him wrestle, like he has no charisma, and people are talking about him like he's gonna be a main eventer, and I'm like, how? I don't, because they see him that way. I don't personally, I don't personally see him like that. Yeah, that favorably. I don't really think he's, he's he doesn't really impress me at all. Uh, in some angle recently, uh, I guess in the build-up to this tag team match, which I guess if you want to be optimistic, it could lead to like some dissension, and that'll that's what will cost them the tag titles, uh, the tag match against uh against Owens and Sammy. But there's something where it's like 
Solisco was just standing there, and Roman like, you know, like just in life, like you, you could be like in front of someone, and then you turn, and you were like a little too close when you turn, so you accidentally bump into the person. Mm-hmm. Like it was like that. Like Roman accidentally, like when he turned, like bumped into Roman, and it was so hack and it looked so dumb. But he made this big show of like, oh my god, oh, don't be, oh man, that was an accident, don't be upset with me. And so this co had to like mean mug and be like annoyed, like, oh, why did you bump into me? And it's like, it, it, it was so, it wasn't like they were both running the ropes in a, in a match. Yeah. And they they clash into each other at high impact. Because that would be like dramatic. It was just like literally like the slowest motion bump possible. And neither guy left their feet. It, it was so dumb. Like you, you, and I could have had like that slow motion, like back into each other thing, and it would have been like more dramatic than this. It was so dumb. But they're that's I think they're going with that. They're going like a big angle with that. I don't, yeah, I don't care about the. I know way more about. Yeah, I know way more about this stuff that I don't even watch. <laughs> I'm just so over the bloodline thing, and it seems like everyone is. Like, it seems like they made a horrible mistake not putting the belt on Cody. Wouldn't this Cody Brock feud work really well if Cody was the champion? No, I would actually probably like as much as I'm over Brock. Like, if there if the title was on the line, I would probably actually be tuning into like those segments or watching them after the fact because it seems like a really good angle that is missing the key component that like truly makes it great, which is the title. I, I don't know, man. Like it's like having Thanos without the infinity gems. I'm just at such a loss for, for their decision process that because Brock has no motivation if he doesn't have the belt, like this feels like it, it was written as a title program, except there's no title. Uh, yeah, can't argue that. Because they even did this like angle where like Brock broke his arm, which is perfect for like a championship angle to like have Brock beat him for the title, and then yeah. like without we, Cody yeah, losing face, and then you can do like the big like match at SummerSlam where he wins the title back. If if yeah, you know what. I'm not going down the rabbit hole anymore. We're not, we, this is actually not what we were going to do for this episode. Um, but you know, every now and then we do get sidetracked just out of sheer frustration, I think. Brad, do you want to fill them in on what we're doing tonight? Or do you want me to do it? Uh, so we're, we're going to tippy toe around in like the waters of sci-fi a bit. Yeah. Kind of the stuff we enjoy settings we enjoy or maybe like if there's multiple things in the setting which part um all that kind of good stuff so i don't know who who do we think ought to start us off in this i'm not i'll uh, take i'll take the first swing go for it so i'm actually going to go out of left field and i don't think it's a show we've mentioned more than in passing but uh the the universe set up by stargate oh especially in the tv show where so like if you if you haven't watched it like so your egyptian gods were space aliens and um so they go from planet to planet with these things called wormholes and there's people on these planets that have essentially been displaced by these aliens okay and that's kind of the world and it's kind of like humanity like taking their first steps out into space 
and for I don't know it ran for ten ten or twelve years I think because it's funny they actually when a lot of them left they pretty much just imported the cast of Farscape over for the last <laughs> two years. Okay. Um, like I know that um, I know that Stargate ran for a long time, and then they also had Atlantis, and yeah, then Universe, which did not yeah. last. Okay. And um, Universe Universe tried to do like the the whole like hard sci-fi thing, it just, uh, and it was more like like dour, and it it wasn't as like interesting or cool i mean look you can have hard sci-fi and i think that uh, some shows or books had done a good job with it like the expanse yeah mm-hmm. but the reality is like like people like people want to see like aliens and things like that and star trek uh universe was less of that well and i think stargate really i think built itself on being what i want to call low sci-fi yeah okay because so the 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 gold who are the bad guys did have spaceships, but the humans never had spaceships until like the very, very end. All right. And for a brief bit. So like pretty much if the people, and I mean, the people never had like super advanced tech either. Like they pretty much just had like standard. Yeah. (laughs) And um, for everything. But like if the humans wanted to go out and do stuff, they had to go through star. They had to use these stargates to get, to the planets mm-hmm. so they that that was how they traveled they never like there was never like hyperspace or any of that like they just had to use these wormholes so it was always a very grounded show like it could have existed in this world you just add the element of there's all these like populated planets and now people have a ability to get there and correct me if i'm wrong because I didn't watch much of it, but there also seemed to be kind of a, I'm not going to call it a whimsy, but a, a more lighthearted tone than a lot of sci-fi could have. Like there's a little more, uh, I don't know, seemed like hopefulness built into it or something. Yeah, and um, who, what was the name of the guy who played um, MacGyver? Uh, Richard, Richard Dean Anderson. Anderson. Yeah, Richard Dean Anderson. So, there um, we go, Matt. <laughs> one of my one of my favorite parts of the show, and it was a little joke they would do here and there, is he would always talk about if they were on some other place, like, oh crap, I forgot to tape The Simpsons, and he would talk about The Simpsons here and there, which was always a hilarious little roundabout uh-huh. way of um of like commenting because of Patty and Selma being obsessed with MacGyver. Oh, okay. And th- there's this one scene, I think, in one of the first couple episodes, like, the, one of the other characters is like, well, I'll just MacGyver this, and it cuts to him, and he just has this weird look on his face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did not, like I said, I didn't get to watch much, but the one I, that stood out to me that I did see, and as soon as I say this, Brad, you're going to be like, oh, that's a hack answer. Um, But it was the time loop episode. Oh, where yeah. Um, Richard Dean Anderson and Teal'c were stuck in this. I don't remember how long the loop was. Um, I don't but, either. It's been it's been a long time since I've watched it. 
but there was there was a loop that they were stuck in that they could not figure out how to break. But by going through it repeatedly, they were able to start like working details out. I think it was something like that. Yeah, probably. I I remember them juggling whenever the uh, chief science dude or whatever is is talking to them about the anomaly, and they're just juggling. And he's like, "Are you guys paying attention?" Like, look, dude, we've heard this like a hundred times before. We're waiting for you to get to the point. (laughs) And it's interesting because I don't think many shows ever pulled this off successfully. This does this does pretty much pick up where the movie left off. Like it's it's a direct sequel to the movie. That is pretty impressive, I think. Especially since the movie isn't like anything to write home about. No, the movie actually I found like kind of boring. Yeah. Visually impressive, but boring as hell. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, Matt, do you have an entry for the uh, for the series to for us to wander down that rabbit hole a little bit? Uh, I'm trying to think. You know, we've talked about it before. I feel, uh-huh. but because I, 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 I try, I, I haven't. I watched a lot when I in the day, like when I was uh, like in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I found like after that, like when I went to law school, and then I, you know, air quote became an adult. <laughs> I didn't have as much time to watch stuff. Um, back in the day, Farscape. Can we say Farscape? Is that or that? No, it's good. Much? That's yeah, good. That's good. Farscape was a show that I absolutely loved. I'm I, I, a friend of the show, Christy Petrillo, has made like a big push for, uh, for having like hard copies of, of having actual digital, not digital. How would you describe it? Like actual like copies of content, physical media, uh, not just like, yeah, physical media, not just like you know, digital stuff. But I really do. I don't own, uh, I don't own like hard copies physical media of Farscape, but I really should uh, because I love that show. Like, and, and I got, I got like, it's so mad at people and arguments with people online back in the days. It's like, people would always shit talk like Farscape. It's like, oh, it's a show about Muppets. That's all it is. There and was one like, Muppet oh. on the show. It's like, Firefly so much better. It's like, no, it's not, it's not better. They're and not the same thing. About Joss, Joss Whedon and his, his, horrible stuff again <laughs> i'm not a fan I, uh, but farscape is i love farscape i thought it was really fantastic i thought it was well acted uh i thought scorpius who was basically like kind of like the main villain for a couple seasons and all had like a weird parasocial relationship with uh with the main star like that i he was one of the more intriguing villains in like the last like 20 30 years like i thought it was just a really well done show uh, i was sad that they ended it uh, they did, like, I think, bring it back like a movie or something, right? Yeah, it did. Uh, I think it had a movie like a or two. Yeah. Uh, now I think all those people are like, these are sixty, so it's, you know, it's, it's show that now is like longer than a tooth. But I loved that show back in the day. I thought it was really unique. Um, I loved the fact that they used, as they say, practical effects for stuff. Yeah. It wasn't a, nowadays everything is just like CGI and it's dark as shit bad CGI, but I, yeah. I, I do like, I like actual like practical effects. It's actually really, to me, it makes things oddly look more believable. Mm-hmm. 
so that's something that I like. I, I do the costume is going to actually look almost always going to look better than like a CGI version of things. Like sometimes CGI works, but you know, not usually. It also helps that the actors are actually reacting to something that's actually there. Yeah. You know, um, yes. Claudia Black's only fifty. That's that's cool. Claudia Black is. Uh, I think she's moved into voice acting. Hmm. Yeah, uh, she I was. Think um, she's done. She was Morgan in um, Dragon Age. She was. Uh, I also think that she, didn't she do uh, some of the Uncharted stuff? Yeah. Yeah, she was Chloe Fraser in the Uncharted uh, series. Uh, oh wow, she. I haven't played it, but she was in, in Wolfenstein too. <laughs> she's done a lot of uh, voice acting stuff, uh, but cool. obviously she's. She's done more than that. She's done uh, TV shows, uh, some movies, I think, but more like uh, not as many movies. And I don't see looking on I Ben Browder, sixty. Much. Yeah, he's he was always a little older. Like when the show started, he was like in his late thirties, forty. Well, I mean, I had a friend who was really big into Farscape. And um, his thing for it, he said, you know, the the practical effects handled by Jim Henson Workshop, you know, the, the it, you know one of the one of the last big pushes for that. So his characterization was, and I was, I was like, that that's great. I don't have an issue with it. Um, mm-hmm. I, it's not like I I never watched it out of malice. It's just I never happened to catch it. So, you know, he. The Ooh, Virginia the concept, Hayes seventy. Ooh. The concept behind it and everything. Seventy. Virginia Hay, that was the blue, the blue mm-hmm. one. You know, the concept behind it is 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 cool. It sounds really fun. Um, and I, Firefly hits a certain point for me because it's it's just a mixture of things that I like. It's it's that that space western thing scratches an itch for me that I really enjoy. And if it's not your thing, it's not your thing. No big deal. I think um, my bigger issue with Firefly is I actually do for someone that does like Firefly, I the people that think like it's the greatest thing ever, it's just like no, like it's a fun little thing, but like there's better shows and settings than Firefly. Like it is a fun diversion, but like it didn't have enough time put into it to really flesh itself out enough like it's it's fine i have the concern like i really enjoyed it my wife really likes it my big concern with firefly though is if it had gone into later seasons i am concerned that it would have been ruined by whedonisms i mean uh, the movie sucked the movie was not yes good. i did i did not enjoy the movie um, part of the hence part of why I have the opinion that if, if it had progressed, it would not be looked back as fondly upon. The problem I think it would have had is he would have been, eventually have killed off one of the main cast members. And I think the show would have totally fallen apart without the entirety of the, the crew. Yes, because that, that crew had a great, that cast had great chemistry with each other. And, um, no, I, I'm sorry, man. I'm getting a uh, a field of your point. No, you're but okay. It, it's 
Farscape kind of has the it's got a fun twist as I understand it. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Fun twist on the the fish out of water idea. Is that yeah like the starting premise? That, is that yeah that's very much like the starting premise of Farscape. Uh, okay. And it, it kind of also plays with the trope too of like uh, which other shows have done obviously shows like Quantum Leap and other things like that. It's like trying to find the hero trying to find his way home. He's in a he's a fish out of water. He's in an unfamiliar setting. He has to acclimate to that setting. And of course, you get like adventures based upon that, but you also need to try to find your way home. It's like right. you earned your happy ending. Speaking of Quantum Leap, the new show is mm-hmm. a total stinker. I haven't seen a single episode. My wife and I watched the first episode. We did not watch the second episode. Mm. <sighs> not good. That's a shame because um, they, did they ever, like the original series, did they ever finish it? Like, Yeah, they did. Yeah. The guy made it home. Uh, isn't it like he never made it home? I don't know. That's why I'm asking. The problem with the new series is they have a bunch of, like, CW-caliber actors trying to, like, replace Scott Bakula, and it just doesn't work. There are some CW actors that I'll... I like Grant Gustin, for example, as a CW actor, but then there are other people that it's like, no, no, we're not... There's the people that are holding on until they're 35 and can make the jump over to Hallmark movies. Oh, well, I guess good on them for having a career plan. Because, you know, that's my favorite joke um, that someone made last year was, well, like it's after Thanksgiving, like time for all this, like time for all those rich guys to worry about, like losing their uh, (laughs) their fiance to like some farmer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's like if you have like if you're like a rich guy and your fans oh your fiance is gonna go back home but oh no she just met like the the down his luck carpenter oh uh, yeah you can write yeah, yeah. Because yeah. because my she wife watches a couple of them and my my mom watches a bunch of them but like anytime like anytime like i i tune in like so like um is it like which like I'm usually just like, so what, what generic white guy is like the lead in this one? Mm-hmm. It's like, ooh, it's like it's like the pirate generic white guy. So that must be white guy number five. <laughs> <clears throat> there is one of those Hallmark movies that my wife enjoys, but I think she enjoys it ironically. And it, it has Melissa Joan Hart and Mario Lopez called Holidays in Handcuffs. Where she, her boyfriend broke up with her, so she kidnaps him to go to her family's house for Christmas. And I'm like, um, honey. Did, um, <laughs> did A.C. Slater win the Save by the Bell Career Wars when it was all said and done? Uh, I think Zach Morris became governor of California. <laughs> In, uh, in the remake of Saved by the Bell, which they canceled after like two seasons. I'm surprised that made it two seasons. Uh, in, if you want to actually talk about like I would say it's kind of like a horse race between A.C. Slater and Zach Morris. Uh, because Mark Paul Gosler has – he kind of consistently gets work, and he gets work on like, like network TV shows. Yeah, uh-huh. but, but Mario Lopez but think, like was um... – 
was in the daytime talk show circuit for like 15 years. Yeah, he was. So I, like if you... the... Go ahead, man. I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say, like, if you had to actually put the chips down, I would say, like, AC Slater, Mario Lopez is, is has a better career. I was going to say, it, it seems to me that Mario Lopez is like the male version of Maria Menounos. So I don't know if that's taking the W or what, but. Uh... I mean, I guess Tiffany Amber Thiessen had a decent career, too, because she had um, she had Melrose. No, she was Beverly Hills 90210, wasn't she? Uh, I know she had a post Saved by the Bell career, and she's been in some other movies since then. Yeah, but I mean, they they all avoided like the Elizabeth Berkeley thing, where she did like Ooh. the worst fucking. If you if you're Ooh. listening to this, or and you you happen to be a child star, so here's the classic mistake the child star does, which is, um, I'm gonna show I'm grown up now, and I'm gonna get naked for the first like movie that offers me. That never works out. I, I'm trying to shed my my young person image because Miley Cyrus leaned too far into that too. Yeah. You need to do what, like I think what Tiffany Amber Thiessen actually did was smart. Is she, she moved over to a show that was more adult, but she was not like the focal point of, she was just a cast member of. So it let her like mature her image. Yeah. Or if you're like, um, if you're like the the other two, they just kind of went away for a while and came back. Well, if if you're talking about Dustin Diamond, then the um, he beat up China. It, no, there, wait, no, 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 he didn't. That was um, that was not him. That he beat up um, oh fuck, who did he beat up? I don't know. He was on that celebrity boxing thing. Yeah, but he had a um, shall we say, um, a tape of. Uh, he had a hell of a career path, is yeah. what I'm going with. Um, and then what Lark Voorhees was played Lisa. And I don't, I don't have any idea what she got into. Like, no idea what her friend know. of the show, Christy Petrillo, is probably like rave. If he's listening, is probably raging. Yes. <laughs> I think. I think he's Dustin. angry. He's angry. <laughs> he's like, how could you not remember? And then <laughs> rattle off like 20 things that she's done. Right. I bet he wouldn't even know. I'm not even going to Google it. Just out of sheer defiance right now. I'm looking it up, so don't worry. Oh, okay. Well, there goes my sheer defiance. (laughs) Well, I have to know now because I don't think she's done anything. But uh, the. uh, mm, Anyway, it's. Big winner out of that? I don't know. I guess it depends on how you determine. Is it is it proliferation or is it um, the? Uh, well, you know it's bad when her Wikipedia pictures from two thousand and eight. That's that's not doing any favors, no. Um, she she showed up in the new Saved by the Bell. That's the first thing she'd done on TV in twelve years. Eh. Um, she did an episode of Robot Chicken. I, it almost feels like that doesn't count, you know, because doing an episode of Robot Chicken is not exactly 
the toughest thing to pull off sometimes. She did a bunch of guest spots for about 10 years after that. Um, there is one show it looked like it failed after a season. She disappeared for six years, did an episode of Robot Chicken, a couple of movies and that were like of not of note, and then that was it. Okay. So she might just be a normal person that acts every now and then. Eh, fair enough, I guess. But um, back to sci-fi stuff. Farscape. That's a fun. That's a fun pick, Matt. I'm not. You have to watch Farscape. But... You have to watch Farscape from episode one and go forward, or it's like there's something oh, yeah. that doesn't work about it out of sequence. Even if it's like a one and done episode, it works to go from the start. Okay. Uh. I guess I need to throw one in. I mean, my bog standard classic answer. Um, and, and my dad's the one that got me into sci-fi. Um, he had, my dad liked reading two kinds of things. My dad liked reading Westerns and my dad liked reading sci-fi. Odd wonder where I get it from. Um, I really, I got into, sci-fi watching next year star trek next generation with dad and so a lot of star trek for me um yeah that's about i would say um tos tng and the tos cartoon are like my entries into sci-fi but for for me um it's it's always been uh, it's always been DS9 has been has been the preferred version because everything is not so like like I understand that the the Roddenberry's idea is that it was a post scarcity society and that humanity didn't have to worry for anything and stuff like that. It's like okay, that's great and all, but the rest of the universe doesn't work the same way the Federation does, so. We have to have like something else, um, and DS9. DS9 not only had like other things going on, but you also had they couldn't just fly away and yes, that's leave. exactly it. Everything had to be had to have progression in it because you couldn't go to warp at the end of the episode and just leave whatever the issue was behind. You had to have it resolved by then, and so. Um, that's, that's why it was part of why I liked it so much is there's, there has to be growth and there has to be progression and they have a, a very stable place in the politics of their region of space. And by doing that, that means that the whole Federation has to be involved, no matter how grumpy it makes people in the rest of the quadrant feel about it. It's like, well, no, sorry, Federation's here. That means, you know, you folks on Beta Z do have a reason to care what happens at Bajor something like that um it um it's on my I want to rewatch it at some point but I just I can't convince myself to just start at season three and go forward that really <laughs> offends me but like the the up until the Dominion show up it's so it's not like a great show well oddly enough uh until the Dominion show up 
like I think that Gene Roddenberry passed away, and that's whenever they started delving more into that stuff. Well, I mean, I mean, TNG sucked until they got him off the show. Uh, what was that season? Two. It was season two. Okay. Season like season one's awful. Season two they start like turning it around. Okay. Uh, yeah, Riker grows the beard. Um, but it, it they they got him. They kind of got away from that influence and. Everything wasn't quite so Bajor centric. Like when the Defiant shows up, you know that that's that's when stuff's really kicking into gear. Um, that's season three or four, I think. The Defiant it's shows up. beginning, the beginning of season three. And then Worf shows up in like season five or six. He's either always on the show longer than I thought he was, or a lot shorter than I thought he was. Mm, I think he shows up at the end of season four. Because that's when the um, that's when the uh, Dominion threats really picking up, and they need to bring the Klingons into it, and and that's and that's why they pull Worf on. The thing that I love is that they had to they had to assure Michael Dorn that he was not going to be Worf effect uh, on DS9. <laughs> They'd be like, no, 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 no. Worf is Worf is going to be like like a straight up like hard rolling dude here that's not not going to be chump shot all the time i think for for what like the the main story was i think like my favorites were always like the one-offs like um um the baseball episode that's a really good one and um where they they build like the the ferengi group to go rescue their moogie oh my the, favorite. the magnificent ferengi yeah that one's that one's the best <laughs> episode of the whole series in my opinion my favorite DS9 episode is not going to be a shocker to anybody, but it's, it's in the pale moonlight, um, which is the one about getting the, the Romulans into the Dominion War. But the Magnificent Ferengi is great. Um, take me out to the Hall of Sweets pretty good. Um, the. Um, oh, it, it's only a paper moon was is regarded was regarded by a lot of veterans organizations as the best depiction of realistic PTSD um, because twin nog comes back and he's got an artificial leg but he says it hurts like, but it can't hurt the the pain receptors there are not lighting up it can't hurt he says but it does and he like he's either sleeping all day or he's listening to the same song all day long and it's driving everybody crazy and the only per the only counselor who is around to help him, he shuts out. Like he won't talk to her. So there is a um, I'm going to call it non-standard uh, treatment that happens as part of it. But uh, the it, Star Trek's the easy answer, and you guys are, have leaned for things that are a little less like mainstream on it. And frankly, I'm not thrilled with the, the separate timeline, um, Star Trek stuff. At least they, at least they gave us one season of Picard that was watchable. Yeah. Uh, I've heard that, that, that fifth season is really good. I haven't watched it yet. Um, still have not seen any of the newer Star Trek stuff. You did, yeah. I, it's not I, just watch Picard I, season three. I don't necessarily feel like I need to see it. Like Picard, yeah. Picard just this no, should tell you this should the tell last you, season of Picard, yeah. Yeah, this should tell you everything you need to know. Picard season three pretty much acts like season one and two didn't happen. 
<laughs> um, but they also they but see the thing that Picard season three got that I don't think anyone's ever gotten before is so I'm gonna these are gonna be huge spoilers if you haven't watched it yet like tough shit I'm gonna spoil it so in that one they bring the Enterprise D back mm-hmm. for the very end of it and they actually understood from TNG that the Enterprise D was actually kind of a character on the show and that was part of the cast because you saw it all the time. So it was just nice having like the movie never had the enterprise D past the first one. So it was just nice having so much. I know I did too. So they, they bring it back and um, you know, it's the original cast on the original bridge, having an adventure together. And it, you know, it's exactly what star Wars should have done that they never did, which is just having Han Luke and Leia on the fucking Millennium Falcon for five seconds on screen together. Yeah. But, you know, we can't have that. Nope. Can't have it. <clears throat> but if I'm going to go with a a non-mainstream pick, um, this is not going to shock anybody that knows me. But I'm actually going to lean over and say the Battletech universe because everything – for for a setting that was built around the idea of um, technologically very improbable giant stompy war robots, you pretty much just jump from the polar opposite of what like the Star Trek universe is. I know. Uh, you jump from uh, post scarcity to like scarcity out the ass. Yeah, I know. <clears throat> the reason that I like um, BattleTech is. For a setting that was built around – it's supposed to be a game about giant stompy robots. All of the – most of uh, – let me say – most of the history and the events in the setting that happen have very logical progressions as to why all this has happened. They make sense, <clears throat> and there are very human elements that are written into it. So there's a whole bunch of stuff in the setting that you look at and go – well, why is it like this? And then when you find out where it is, you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, it would be like that. Well, it's kind of a – it's a very almost feudal society, but, like, they don't really understand how mechs work. So, um, like, let's say you own a mech. Let's say, like, your family had a mech and it's gotten passed down through three generations. Um, and you need it for something. Like, if, if, if for some reason your arm gets – blown off of that mech like you may never be able to fix it that is that depends on when in the setting you are because we're if you talking are, we're talking the good era not like the dark age or like the jihad i'm not shit. i'm not talking the jihad sucks ass okay there is no reason okay <clears throat> let's see we not that long ago we had may 20th tuki a day you know comstar pay your bills get folked uh there's all your memes for you you suck at cleaners. You have all of that happen. Comstar comes out with the Comguard and this this technology that they had hidden away, and they grind the clans down and beat them in a in a one on one honor duel setup that the clans had been wanting. Okay, cool, got it. The problem is in doing that now everybody knows they had it, and now their their armed forces have been just just battered to hell, right? Here's the problem with the jihad. 
all of a sudden, out of nowhere, don't know where they came from, don't know how it happened, but they've magicked up a whole force to rage across the inner sphere in two decades and, and wreck everybody, despite the fact that all of a sudden, like, Ghost Bear is just like, hell no, we're not, we're not, and just any time that uh, the word of Blake Jihad shows up and Clan Ghost Bear is there, Ghost Bear cracks their knuckles and beats the hell out of them. There's no, it, it sequentially doesn't make sense, but from the fall of Star League through the four succession wars, you have progressively less technology until Hell Memory Core, but you have less technology. It's harder to do this stuff. There are certain mechs that persist because, like the catapult that persists because it's it's easier to maintain and keep going and change stuff out. And there's it was some designed like well. um, there's some like the charger that just no one wanted, so they're still around. That yeah, that that actually would thrive because they were operating in that weird like we don't want to break anything here, and the charger's like I ain't got shit to break, let's do this, and yeah. would just run at you and slam into you with giant metal like. The stuff that happens in Battletech, I'm going to say up to, you know, around uh, post-clan invasion and the the Great Refusal. Like, stuff through there, okay, sequential makes sense. You run into, like, author's pet stuff, sure. But everything in there, like, there's a reason it makes sense. There's a reason that these, these are the powers that are the powers that are. There's a reason that... You know, the folks on the periphery don't like the inner sphere and like all this stuff, it works. All these pieces fit together really well. And it is not the best universe to live in. But if you're kind of out of the way and, you know, aren't drawing attention, nobody's going to bother you either. I um, also um, the clan invasion itself is really interesting because if, you, if, you've, if you've not read it, the clan invasion, they come through. And they're pretty much a superior force because they have superior technology. I would say on an individual basis, they're better pilots. They have eugenics bred people to be pilots, yeah. But with all of that said, they're coming through to take over the inner sphere. And they're actually, when you break it down and really think about what they were doing, they were fighting a losing battle from the very beginning because they just did not have the skill, the logistics, or even the manpower. I mean, when I say skill, I even mean culture. They just did not have what it takes to do what they wanted to do. They thought they did. Yeah. And they thought it was a holy calling to go do it, but they did not have the supply lines to survive. And and they didn't have like, they were used to like honor duels. Like the idea of, the idea of, maintaining control of a planet after the fact was foreign to them. So they, even before the final battle happened, they were already losing control of like places they had. Here, I'll give you an example. One of my favorite, favorite examples of stuff that happens in, uh, in the clan invasion clan ghost bear, which if I'm going to pick a clan, that's not Wolverine that I think is, is all right. It's going to be Ghost Bear. They roll up to this planet. And by this time, the planets have gotten this idea of like, okay, like this is kind of how they operate. So they roll up to this planet, and the planet looks at them and says, we issue a batch all, which is a battle challenge. And like you said, Brad, it's these honor duels, which I think 
I think the original idea was supposed to be you don't have to have big all-out wars because supplies were as scarce as they were to start with, and the culture persists. But they said, we issue a batch, y'all. You have to beat us at a game of football and not soccer. It was American-style football. You have to beat us at a game of this. And all of a sudden, all of the the power armor-wearing infantry crack their knuckles and go, we love football, and hop down there to play this game. And so you've got like these 12-foot-tall eugenics-bred you know, nightmare warriors playing football against these guys who thought they had the upper hand because nobody else in the galaxy played it anymore. And they won something like like uh, 95 to three. And but it was the cleanest game game ever played because the clanners thought that um, that personal fouls were uh, a loss of honor. So there were no personal fouls or, or like excessive roughness or anything. Well, that's kind of what fucked them, too, is like when when um, the inners here would use like guerrilla tactics, the clan couldn't handle those very well. Oh, yeah. So uh, all you got to do, look, if you, I have read stuff on my own, too, but if you want a good primer, go to YouTube, look up Text Talks Battletech. You can get all the information you want. But the clans having a the clans being unable to engage in takesies, backsies, um, <laughs> basically, let's and screwed them so and in the final battle that's kind of how comstar beat them too as well they they the person they way under bid they went in too light the clan did but yeah. um the comstar like would just run up and challenge them to like honor duels and shit like in the middle of this and they would just they use their own like honor code against them in that's, this big battle yes. and that was because their their commander Anastasia's folk knew what he was doing, but I'm not going to get into all that right now. Suffice to say, big stompy robot setting, Battletech, I really enjoy it. It's a really good setting, and the nice thing is it's big enough that if you want to make your own mercenary company or you want to make your own little community in the periphery or something, there's plenty of space to do it. The the um, the um turn-based strategy game for it is pretty good, and I think a really yeah. good intro to the universe um, Mech Warrior Five, I don't think is as good, and it has some issues, but it's also like a fun little romp of a. It's game. fun if you're playing it with friends. It's it's fun. It, it the mission generation is not Crap. great. The campaign story is. And bad. it has you. And the other thing that drives me nuts with Mech Warrior Five is you want to fight mechs, and half the time you're trying to take pot shots at fucking helicopters in the air yeah they're they're harassing force i mean all you do is you take your laser and you just cut it across the sky and take their propellers off but it's just still you just or you need an lrm5 and yeah. boom they're done yeah, but you don't want to waste ammo on stupid helicopters i keep lrm5s on some mix strictly for anti-air stuff everything else on it is one of my favorite things to have in that is a battle master with an energy loadout and it's just and one lrm5 it's like no those planes go away now i turn my actual weapons on threats but yes. so not to go too much so i think i think i'm going to speak for matt and i since we're in the board gaming space but let's talk about some xeno scum matt some what we're talking some warhammer oh Oh, you're on. Warhammer, I like. I've been silent because I have never, in a single moment of my life, played any Battletech. 
Um, okay. I, nothing against it. It's just not anything I ever got into. Kind of me and Farscape. That makes sense. Yeah. Not, I, I No animosity towards it. I just I never got into it, so I, I don't have that frame of reference. Uh, Warhammer I like, but would you... Would you say like you prefer the original Warhammer? That's obviously more like, uh, well, it's fantasy setting, but it's more, in theory, it's kind of like uh, back in the day old old school fantasy. Or do you like Warhammer 40k, which is more 40k sci-fi. has 40k has a much better fleshed out universe, and you know they mm. they've have you know Dan Abnett's written a lot of books for it. Who's a very quality writer. And um, especially the 40K books, like, you have a lot of options for what you want to read. Like, I know that sounds really weird, but, like, let's say you want to read, like, murder mystery kind of, you know, coverty stuff. You have your Eisenhorn books. Or if you want World War One-style trench warfare, there's even Gaunt's Ghosts for that. So I think it just has it just has a wider breadth of stuff. I don't think the the fantasy slash age of Sigmar books are as good. Uh, no, they're not because the fantasy stuff is basically focused around either the empire, the dwarves, or I think the high elves. And, and that, they, that cuts a big part of the world out. And they've just never gotten like a Dan Abnett. That's been like willing to put the, 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 the pen to paper for it either. Mm-mm. Not the same. Like I played Warhammer Fantasy. I still have lizard men here. I've got two Saurus warriors sitting a foot to my left that I'm painting on. Uh, 40k though is like uh <laughs> for me. I don't play it, um, but I love the setting because I love. I know I bitch about Grimdrak, but I love that it's so Grimdrak that it's almost just a parody of of Grimdrak. It used to be more of that, didn't it? Yeah, they've they've lost a little parody as time's gone on. I'm sorry, Matt. I don't mean to be stepping on you getting in here. Probably my favorite faction in 40k is the Necrons, just because. If you're gonna talk about like grim dark stuff, they, I think they clearly were meant to be like the, the darkest, the dark, just a kind of race of like basically immortal robot dead things. Yeah. They're just wiping out every other race when possible. I think. Um, I mean, I like the Imperium a lot from like a, a, a setting standpoint and like reading novels. But I think I think I think my heart is always with the Tau, which are just the space commies. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then you have your um, Tyranid, which you know the Zerg are pretty much a direct ripoff of in Starcraft. Um, you have your Battle Sisters, um, your Eldar and Dark Eldar. Um, obviously you're 5 million things of space Marines. I do like when you read a good book though, how they, they use the space Marines, how like a single space Marine is a problem. Yeah, that's my understanding is if a space Marine shows up, then, um, then, you know, things are, are, are bad, bad. Yeah. 
And especially, it's really bad if it's a Chaos Marine. Yeah. That'd do it. And then, um, did I miss any? Uh, the Mechanicus. Oh, yeah. If you're going to read the novel, like, nine times out of ten, it's probably going to be Imperium-based. Because Dark Heresy's Imperium. Yeah. Horus Heresy, so, I should say. How do you guys feel about the Chaos Rift? Eh. I'm not up to date, like, on Warhammer. I know, I know Games Workshop chased a lot of people away with, like, the last edition. But I'm not I sure why. I don't think it was the edition. I think it was their their behavior. I mean, their behavior is always some level of <laughs> crap. GW, no! <laughs> I remembered that from your... Yes. <laughs> a few weeks ago. Because it always is Games Workshop that's usually, like, causing this. Yeah. But, I mean, I will say, though... Warhammer 40k is not the best Games Workshop game. It's Blood Bowl. Okay. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. Blood Bowl is kind of based on fantasy, though, I think. It is. Yeah, yeah. it is. I have Blood Bowl 2. It's just, I wish it was a game that I could pause or save during because. It does not move fast. No. And there's a bit of a learning curve, too. And it's it's long games for, like, bad learning curve. Yeah. I, I still had three games in, and I had not really figured it out. I kind of got frustrated. Nah, just I take, gone back take, take, some, take something big and stompy and just brute force it. Anyway. Um... Are there any other setting things or anything you guys want to hit? I, we're, I know our energy's been kind of low on this episode, but uh, it's been a shitty week so far, and it's only Tuesday. <laughs> what were you saying, Matt? Uh, not really. Uh, I, I, I'm not as familiar with uh, up to date with Warhammer either, but I, I mean can, just like, the setting. Just, oh, general? Yeah, general. Uh, not really. <laughs> I. I'm really like I'm like kind of sick. I'm low energy now. Okay. So. Well, that that means it's a pretty low key episode. But uh, here's I guess there was there was Skype drama earlier, so he started off. Yeah. yeah. Started off on the wrong foot. Yeah. So, I think our takeaways from this episode for everybody are <clears throat> watch Farscape, uh, watch Stargate, and watch Text Talks Battle Tech. <laughs> yeah. On YouTube. All right. Yeah, no, no, we were – every now and then, you know, you just get an episode that's that's more low-key and just kind of not, you know, super in-depth like we've been on some stuff. But um, – We have we have um, wrestling stuff coming up. It's just been a weird three-ish months. So yeah, it just fair. it just hasn't. Um, unfortunately, we we've wanted to get to more wrestling stuff, but it just it hasn't really been working out that yeah. way. But we do have so on the horizon, we have Great American Bash to finish off the Dangerous Alliance era. Um, we have a project we'll be starting up after that. We have um, whatever it's called, Beach Brawl, is a request for the UWF. 
Um, there's a couple of one-off matches I want to do as like a single episode. Mm-hmm. And then um, we have... We're going to do the first volume of the One Piece manga, I think, sometime in June. We are going to review Bioshock as a conversation episode down the road. I'm going to guess, just based on our free time, that's probably going to be more of like an early fall thing. Uh, Maybe so. Uh, Depending on how quick we get through it, I think. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. And um, then... There's a Bruce Lee movie. That's our next movie review. Yeah. And there's another Kung Fu movie we want to do after that. I don't... Seven Deadly Poisons. Is that what it's called, Matt? Is it like the Five Deadly Poisons? Five Deadly Poisons, yeah. That, that's... A, or is it Five Deadly Venoms? Am I confusing the two? No, it's something like that. I, it's, it, I, I can never remember the name. But the, those two movies are on the horizon. Yeah, and, five, uh, deadly, five Deadly Venoms. Okay, okay. But those Just, are two. I've not seen that in like 25 years. So. I I enjoy okay. it quite a bit. Yeah. So those two are on the horizon. Um. The other project is gonna be uber long term. Yeah. Like. But it'll be a uh, it'll be kind of a rolling thing. Yeah. So. It's something we can kind of come in and out of as we. Mm-hmm. As we wish. But. It should be fun uh, if everything works out the way we want it to be. Yeah. So, all right, everybody out there, thank you for joining us for this uh, this nice low key episode. Um, you know, we appreciate you hearing hearing from you on social media. And so, this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three corners. You're in the fourth, and we will catch you next time.